Live from the Business Radio X studio in Atlanta, it's time for Organization Conversation. Brought to you by Wall Control Storage Systems. Wall Control gives you the storage and organization you crave. Now, here's your host, Richard Grove. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Organization Conversation. This is definitely a good one, but a little bit different than what you're used to in that I will actually be interviewed during it. Um, I had the opportunity of sitting down with the Unpolished MBA uh, podcast recently, and it was really great chat. She's an incredible interviewer, asks great questions, and pretty much compacts what would could be an hour to hour and a half long conversation into about 30 minutes of really good content. And she was nice enough to let us repurpose it for organization conversation. So we're bringing it to you today. So um, without further ado, I will, you know, hand it over to Monique and we'll go from there. So enjoy. So hello, Unpolished MBA audience. I'm your host, Monique Mills. And today I have with me Richard Grove. Hello, Richard. Hey, Monique. Thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure to be on your show. Thanks for coming. So I just want to tell you guys, Richard Grove is an entrepreneur and he is the owner of a company called Wall Control. And I met Richard, as you guys know, I really do leverage LinkedIn. I met Richard through one of my connections that I met on LinkedIn because I was ranting about using influencers in your programs, right? In your marketing and how everyone doesn't have to be, you know, a famous celebrity to be an influencer and be beneficial to your business. So Richard, I hear that you did some interesting stuff with your business around that topic that I brought up. So you mind sharing that with us? Yeah, no problem. And you really, what you said is very well put because I think people think of quote influencer marketing and they think of some massive Instagram account and somebody who's going to charge thousands of dollars for content and kind of be, you know, a pain to work with. And it definitely doesn't have to be like that. Just like with anything, you want to start with the relationship. So if somebody comes to us, you know, with like, you know, their marketing sheet and their price list and, you know, I'll do a post for this or that, that's very transactional to us. And we typically don't bite on those or we never do. What we want is somebody who actually resonates with our brand and that it's always it's cool if they've already used it or are familiar with it and can speak knowledgeably about it but we start there and so like what you'll find with you know this community and the ones that are really good and effective is that they're super creative and they'll take your product and they'll do things with it you didn't even think about and they'll find ways to monetize themselves so you know i have tons of stories i could tell you about partners we've worked with that have come up with really cool ideas that have benefited both of us it's been a two-way relationship kind of thing. And that's what we really want to, that's what we focus on. And those are the relationships we focus on building. So my advice to anybody would be maybe try to identify like one voice in the community or space that you're in and kind of reach out to them and start there. Like somebody who you feel like it's kind of plugged in and knows everybody else. That's a good way to start navigating the space and kind of getting a feel for, you know, who you want to work with, who you want to avoid, what the expectations are on both sides and kind of take a one step at a time. And then another really good point you had was talking about somebody who has some huge following. So what we've seen is one thing you really want to look at is engagement. There's people who have, you know, hundreds of thousands of Instagram followers, but really their audience isn't engaged. 
and they might not even be your, you know, the demographic you're going for. They might be, exactly. you know, say you sell, you know, sneakers to high school kids and their whole audience is 65 year old people who, who, you know, play racquetball. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like it might not be a good fit. You want to look at like, is this actually, are these people, you know, are they engaged and do we think they might buy my product? And again, to your point of a, a, a smaller audience that's very engaged is much more valuable than a huge audience that is not. So, you know, you, an influencer is just somebody who can influence a purchasing decision. So like your great aunt might have 30 friends that she does, you know, she plays chess with. Well, they all listen to her. And if they, if she says you should buy this product, you might get more conversion from your aunt than you might, than you get from somebody with a hundred thousand Instagram followers if their audience isn't engaged. With wall yeah. control, for example. So explain what the company is because the audience doesn't know. We'll link to the company in the show notes, you guys. But explain what wall control is and then give us an example of one of your programs you did with a partner that was mutually be beneficial that you spoke okay. about. Okay, absolutely. Yeah, so wall control, we're a, in the simplest terms, a wall-mounted storage system. So, you know, we're, we started with in the garage with tools and that kind of thing. You know, think your traditional, like, press board, pegboard. We like to say like your grandfather's pegboard, that old wooden nasty stuff that's in the garage with the little hooks on it. So our system yeah. is basically that much improved, a lot stronger, aesthetically pleasing. We manufacture them here in Tucker, Georgia. So yeah, we're, we manufacture ourselves. Our, you know, the, the longer tell version is we're also a metal stamper. So we do a lot of manufacturing work in the automotive industry, but we needed a product that was our own because we saw a lot of stuff going offshore to cheaper places to manufacture. So we wanted to create a brand that was our own and we'd already prototyped this and used it ourselves in our own shop. So we kind of, you know, put some energy behind it, created a brand around it and a company. And, and that's how wall control was born like, 15, 20 years ago. And we've moved from the garage now, craft rooms, kitchen, pretty much anywhere. We like to say, if you have an empty, a blank wall, that storage space, you could be utilizing. So that's uh, true. Very good. Yeah. yeah. We think, well, uh, imagine you can have all types of partners in that. Oh, country. for sure. Yeah, we have from, you know, the folks who work on cars to crafters to chefs in the kitchen. So it's really, I mean, it's really a wide range of audiences that we can target, which is really nice, a very good benefit of the product line. But to your second point, kind of an example of a partner, the best example, we work super close with him. His name's Adam from Lazy Guy DIY. That's his Instagram handle and his website and all that. But years ago, before kind of the influencer thing started, or I guess right when it was starting, he reached out and he was, he already had our product. He was familiar with it. And he was looking to outfit his shop and was like, Hey, if you give me product, I could do a YouTube video or something, you know, to, to showcase it to my audience. And at the time we're like, why would we just give you free product for, you know, this piece of content. Like it was so new to us. It was not. Yeah. And so we, w he was good at developing a relationship. So me and him got a rapport and finally we were, I was like, yeah, okay, here you go. So we sent him some stuff and he did, a, I don't even know how it went the first thing he did, but we just kept in touch. And at the time we weren't running an Instagram account. And this was kind of when all that was starting too. And so this is what, this is speaking to the creativity of the folks in, in, in the space and how they can find ways to monetize themselves because that's the word monetization. That's like the buzzword. Everybody wants to get paid. It makes total sense. We get it, but we're not a huge brand. So, you know, meet us in the middle, find a creative way where we both win. That's not just, here's a check and we have an Instagram post. And so he was like, I'll, I could run your Instagram account for, you know, this small fee a month. And then 
as I gain followers for it, we kind of tear it up and pay, you pay more. And so we started with that. And then, so now he's getting paid. He's giving us content. He's putting content out on his own channel that we can cross promote on the wall control Instagram. And so it started to grow from there. And then, you know, we have these, he's a woodworker and we have these value kits that are prepackaged. So we were like, Hey, let's do a private label, the lazy guy, DIY woodworking kit. And you get a commission based on the sales of that. And now you're incentivized to sell it. So you know, it's based on win-win. So, so um, smart, Richard. Yeah. Wow. So we've done a lot of stuff like that. And he's a great example, but just, I think you gotta, again, you gotta know your product, you gotta know your audience, and then you can kind of pick people who you see doing creative things like that and just see where it goes. Like you don't know, you don't know where it's going to go, but just kind of take that step. Wow. That's super smart. And what year would you say this relationship started? Cause you know, we were talking about, it was very new back then. Yeah. And back then was like five years ago. So okay, <laughs> um, yep, exactly. That's when yeah, we started doing it too. Around like maybe yeah. seven years ago. Yep, exactly. I would say probably I could look back, but I'm guessing probably 2018, 2017, 2018, sometime there. So, yeah. And you mentioned back when you did it and, you know, when I first started doing it for clients, Instagram was the way to go. Nobody was yeah. doing that on the other platforms yet. Now it's like everywhere, but Instagram, yeah. you just kind of, you know, shot someone a DM and we paid people through PayPal links. And it's like, yeah, yeah. it'll be 20 bucks. You know, it's like, okay, sure. Yeah. So here's the question I have for you. We were talking about, and even on the post on LinkedIn, I've gotten into conversations with people about engagement. Like, as we all know, there's bots and there's, you know, fake accounts and there's all these kind of things. And I'm like, well, how people define engagement, which unfortunately is subjective, depending on how they value certain things. And I'm like, yeah. for me, I, I don't look at just, I don't look at like, you know, right, and been, exactly. Right. It can be very subjective and what, yeah, absolutely. So that's what I was going to ask you for you all. Like, how do you, what do you value as far as engagement? Yeah, that's a great question. And a really good segue talking about Instagram and other platforms now. So yeah, likes are a way. There's a lot of ways. Instagram is a good, in our opinion, it's a good like barometer. It gives you kind of an idea of their reach and their following. Yeah. Instagram, the thing about Instagram is if you post something today, this time next week, it's buried in a feed and you'll never see it again. So what we really value the quote evergreen content that's always going to be there. So like a YouTube video, that's a great example of something that it's always searchable. It doesn't really matter when it was made. It continues to be relevant and you don't have to have, like, say you see somebody who's really new. They got a hundred YouTube subscribers, but they're making awesome videos. When you search for a YouTube video, you don't care that the person that made it had a hundred subscribers. You want that good, effective video. So you might be able to find like exceptional value with a small subscriber count that they're putting out good content on a platform that has evergreen content like YouTube. So, and likewise, like say somebody writes awesome blog posts that are very SEO friendly and just engaging and capture your attention, but they have a hundred Instagram followers, like that person would be a really good contact because that blog post with backlinks to your website is going to pay off way more than Instagram posts from someone with a hundred thousand followers that gets buried in three days. 
Absolutely. Yeah. These algorithms, I swear, some people yeah. are constantly tra chasing, trying to beat the algorithm. And there's no way to there's know. No way. I mean, it's insane. The guy I was just talking about, Adam, I was with him at IWF, the International Woodworking Fair that was in Atlanta here a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And he did this video and it went absolutely viral. It's got like 5.4 million views, like yeah. this reel that he posted. And there's no rhyme or reason. And like we were texting about it because like we did one and I was like, I'm seeing like they say, don't use hashtags and reels. And he's like, well, that's okay. But if you don't have an audience and then we posted it and it got like 12,000 views, which is pretty good for one of our posts. And he's like, basically, we were just like, there's no way to know. Like it, you absolutely don't know what's going to happen. So, and also to that point, don't be afraid to experiment with completely different things. You don't want to get in a rut where all of your posts follow the exact same format because then you don't know what's working and what's not working, you know? So we try to Great kind of bury point. that out. Yeah. yeah. So long post one day, short post the next day, lots of hashtags in this post, no hashtags in that post. And you just kind of, kind of fumble around and hopefully it's like, you know, playing a slot machine in Vegas. One, one day you'll hit the three numbers and it'll take off. And then, you know, the next day it won't. So. Okay. That's a good point because you'll see a lot of folks on, on, especially on Instagram, LinkedIn, I would say all the platforms, like ones who are just going by a formula someone gave them from like, you know, a $29 ebook. And yeah. they are following it to the T, doing exactly what you're saying as far as having the same format. So you don't know what's really resonating and what's not, because it's pretty much the same stuff and it's being recycled. Exactly. And that, like that ebook might have worked the day you bought it, but <laughs> the next day it might be irrelevant. So, right. <laughs> Right. So, Richard, I want to know a little bit about how you even got involved in being an entrepreneur and starting wall control. Yeah. So my background, I went to school. I went to Mercer Mechanical Engineering. That's my background. I worked for the Department of Defense out of school, like in aerospace engineering. Really cool job. Very rewarding. Got to see some awesome stuff. But my family, we'd been in metal stamping and basically like, you know, kind of a skilled trade for two generations. So machinist, that kind of thing. And so I always wanted to come back and work for my family in some capacity, but you know, not just being straightforward as possible. I was on a very good career path, great paying job, you know, as an engineer. And to go from that back to kind of, you know, the tool and die shop, it was a step backwards as far as like, if you were looking on paper, I, we had kicked around this idea of wall control and I really just something about it to me like resonated and I felt like it could be something. So I wanted to take that chance and come back and see what we could do with it. It's one of those things you would always regret if you didn't give it a go. And so, you know, that was 15 years ago and I'm really glad we did. We've been fortunate to grow a lot and continue, you know, continue to see strong growth even in these last few years, which have just been insanely strained. So that's the short version of that. <laughs> Well, you know what? That's incredibly courageous because, yeah, you're right. I'm an engineer, too, and I get all the cool stuff we get to see out in corporate. But to come back home and create basically your build on your family's legacy to me is more impressive. Like, <laughs> you I know, say that it's been I mean, we've got I've got my grandfather. He's 84 and he still works four days a week. He just loves it. It's I mean, it's crazy. And then my dad, he. My dad and my grandfather run our tool and die shop because that's just their skilled tradesmen. They know what they're doing. And then on the wall control side, it's been awesome because I've been able to hire my mom, my brother, my sister, two of my cousins. So it's a lot of family for sure. <laughs> I love it. 
Yeah. And that's inspirational because I started a family acquisition business this year called Focus Innovation Group. And the unpolished NBA audience knows about it. And we're looking to acquire businesses like yours. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so, no, it's great to when I see how a family has upheld a business for so long and done well, it's inspiring. So I really appreciate you sharing that with us. Well, I would just say, I mean, you know, what your line of work definitely interests us. So it's just kind of, you know, we love what we do, but you never know, you know? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, everyone should have some type of exit plan, right? Exactly. Um, it's just not, it's almost irresponsible not to think about all the options. So Right, right. And also, you know, with the family members and what we're finding as we're speaking with business owners, it's like the original ones, the grandparents, the parents and all that. They want to retire. And a lot of times the children, you know, they may be in their 30s, maybe they're like, OK, yeah, this was cool. Maybe even 40s. This was cool. I enjoyed working with my family, but I'm actually interested in doing something else, too. So it's yeah. kind of a windfall for everyone and everyone kind of, you know, continues in their life on a new journey. Yes, that's a great point and a very applicable perspective. I love to see it work out that way. So it's awesome. And I, you know, I'd like again, I just have to congratulate you on even having the courage to do that because you, you mentioned like, oh, it's a step back. No, I don't see it as a step back at all. I think that was definitely very courageous and congrats to you for um, modernizing the business, right? Because your parents and grandparents don't know anything about social media and all that. Right, exactly. So you <laughs> have been able to bring that insight and grow the business, adapting to a modern times of building and growing a business. So how did you learn that stuff though? What did you huh. do? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like almost all self-taught when I first got here. And again, going back to like, so my, my, father's mom, my paternal grandmother, she is like a constant learner. She just loves learning. Like she went back to college in her sixties. I mean, she actually built our first website that we used up until like 2015 or 2016. And the only reason we stopped using it is because we needed to basically the APIs and plugins started getting big yeah. and we just needed a lot more scalability there. So anyhow, but when I first came, we had that website and I was like, you know, nobody sells our product. We need to, how are we going to get in front of people? I've got to, I've got to learn SEO, like search engine optimization. And that, that was my first thing. I was like, if I don't figure this out, we're kind of dead in the water. So yeah, just, I was taking like free classes at Georgia Tech and yeah. wherever I could get them and just teaching myself how to do it. And it's like, I wasn't awesome at it, but I learned 60% of it, you know, mm -hmm. and that was good enough. And then I learned 80% of this over there and 70%, you know, so I was just kind of chipping away at low hanging fruit and trying to learn as much as I could without diminishing returns on, on everything else and just kind of learning as we go. And then trying different things. Like, again, like you said, my dad and granddad blessed their heart. They had a different, they just, you know, marketing to them was handwritten letters. Dear fire at Home Depot, have I got a product for you? You know, like, so it's like yeah. taking that and being like, maybe this isn't working. How about we try this other thing? You know? So yeah, I mean, all of our trade show booths, we built them ourselves. It was all, wow. you know, go to FedEx Kinko's and print out the stuff. I mean, they didn't look great, but the thing we, the thing is you got to just get a win or two. And then once you start to get them, they come a lot easier. So like, I think our first online reseller was Sears. And once we got Sears, we were able to leverage that to be like, hey, we're selling over here pretty well. You know, would, you know, Wayfair, would you like to sell the product? You know, you just kind of go from once to the next and build on it. And 
The other thing too, that I think I try to keep an eye out for are ways to leverage other wins creatively and like parlay things off of each other. And that's been really important too. And going back to the influencer thing, talking about, we need an Instagram account. I don't want to hire a whole ad agency team. How about this guy who's already good at it? How about he does it? Okay. Well, we need a new kit. Let's have him do that. Oh, somebody in his sphere of influence is really good at affiliates program building. Let's pay them to do that. I think you win in the details and that's kind of what we try to look for. So in your business, would you say you use, as far as like your business model, you use a lot of channel partners? Do you do direct sales or is it a combination of things? Yeah, it's definitely a combination. And one thing we try to do, we could be better and bigger if we wanted to put more of our eggs in a certain basket, but we don't want to make ourselves vulnerable by being too dependent on any given channel or any given marketing strategy. So we, we try to spread it around so that if something's not working out over here on any given year or whatever, it's not going to be a major hit to our business. Wow. I love it, Richard. Thanks so much for sharing with us today. No, thanks for it. My pleasure coming on. I really appreciate the invitation. It's been, you've asked awesome questions. So I'm sure your audience enjoys all your episodes. They do. They love you guys. And so do I, because I learned so much and am inspired by each person I talk to. But I find these types of stories and conversations I have with everyday entrepreneurs and stuff to be way more interesting than watching the celebrities all the time talk to each other. Absolutely. And And there's something everybody can relate to. Like it's, you know, everybody's got that in their life and that's what they want to hear. And that's what I listen to. You know, I straight up only listen to podcasts and conversations like these with people that are similar to me and who are going through the same thing and trying to build the same things I'm trying to build. Yep. It definitely helps. Like we are connected in more ways than we think. And it definitely helps keep people moving along to see other people accomplishing things. So absolutely so much for sharing with us. And where can folks find you? Yeah. So Wall Control is the name of the company. If you're looking for us online or social handles, everything is just Wall Control. And then me personally, I have my own Instagram and Twitter, Mr. Wall Storage, and my name's Richard. So Feel free to reach out either through Wall Control or Mr. Wall Storage. Happy to help and chat with anybody however I can. Thanks, Richard. We'll have all links to everything that he mentioned in the show notes. And Richard, I thank you again and have a great day. Absolutely. Thank you. It's been my pleasure. Thanks for listening, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Monique Mills um, on the Unpolished MBA. She, uh, as you can, as you, as you heard, she's a fantastic interviewer and she does that on our own podcast. So I highly recommend you looking her up unpolishedmba.com. You can also look up Monique Mills on LinkedIn and um, you know all the social things. So uh, definitely subscribe to her channel if you want more interviews like that. She's fantastic, a really great voice in the space. And uh, I was fortunate to be on her show. So thanks for listening and thanks for supporting our show brought to you by Wall Control, uh, storage and organization. Anything you need wall-mounted storage, please let us know. We're, we're here to help at wallcontrol.com. And you can also reach out to me uh, either through the Wall Control website or you can reach out to my own social handles, Mr. Wall Storage on Twitter and Instagram. So thanks for listening and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us. Organization Conversation is brought to you by Wall Control, a family-owned and operated producer of best-in-class wall-mounted organizers for your home or business, made right here in the USA. To learn more, go to wallcontrol.com.